the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Wire World Pro Audio. Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike. Hey, welcome to the Audio Nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez, and before we get going, let me introduce the guys. Over here on my right, we've got Mr. Bobby Osinski. Bobby! Hey, Mike. Hey, everybody. Bobby, it's good to see you. And you're, li- you're looking, likewise. you're looking good. You're looking, you know, you sound all energetic. And Better everything. than last time. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, when I was editing the show, I was like, I always know like Bobby's tracks because you always say a lot of really good things. So I make sure I, you know, okay, where's the really highlights? And it was like flatline. There, there was none. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, clear. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> next to him we've got Diego Seco. Diego, Mike, welcome back. Thank you. It's been a while, brother. Seriously, man, where have you been? I know, I, we've missed you. I hide. He hides in his super secret lab. Yeah, like he's just like, and know, I'm good at that. So it's good to, yeah. that you you came out to the sunshine. Yes. <laughs> and across the table, we've got uh, Mr. Personality himself, Mr. Nick Peck. Hello, Mike. Hello, everybody. Hey, Nick. <laughs> Sorry, Bobby, I didn't yell, so you didn't have to take your headphones off. Uh, it's, it's wonderful to be back. It's always such a pleasure. I look forward to this. Uh, this is a, always a highlight of my week, so it's great to be here. I'm a little worried. <laughs> Especially with the topic that we're going to be talking about today. It may be really timely. Yeah. Finally, over here on my left, the one and only Iron Man of the Audio Nowcast. I've never missed a show in 194 shows. Rob Arbertier. Hello, everyone. I think it's nice to be here. Well, I may reevaluate that in a little while. <laughs> for right now, it's great to be. Here. Let's enjoy what it lasts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then joining us uh, for a second time, he had such a blast last time. He wanted to join us again. Is our good friend and uh, uh, listener of the podcast, Mr. Michael Ingresser. Thanks for having me back. Uh, this time, you just want him to come back because you've been practicing saying his last name. That's for the right. Last two <laughs> so, no, I, I learned this trick. I, you just say it fast and lower. Oh, okay. And, uh, and it always sounds right. Whatever the name is. Okay, he you didn't know? seem it's offended. True. I think it's that true. was close whatever enough. The, whatever, the, whatever the name is, Mr. Rob. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, but so, what uplifting topics do we have today, Mike? <laughs> hey, listen. Today's going to be a really interesting show because um, it's going to be really timely, and it's probably one of the most important shows we've ever done because we're going to be talking a little later on on uh, on depression and we're going to be talking about depression and depression in creatives whether you're a musician whether you're a painter um we're going to talk about depression causes of depression you know we all have some personal stories that we're going to share on depression and not just to bum you out we're also going to you know share some stories of of triumph you know of people you know around this table who've overcome depression you know and it's it's one of those things that it's a constant journey you know it's not like okay i'm cured you know it can come back it can come in waves things things happen with depression um None of us are licensed psychologists, and believe me, I tried to get one <laughs> to come to the podcast. And they were like, not on your <laughs> yeah, life. Like, uh, like, so you guys are all musicians now. I'm busy, I'm busy forever. That's right. <laughs> They're uh, all depressed. <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, I couldn't find it. But having said that, I think it's perfect that it's just us, you know, it's just the family because, you know, it's something that, that, when we talk about it and we um, share our stories, you know, maybe it'll resonate with some, some people out there. But before we talk about depression, <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing, only because how do you trans – like what's the segue between depression and, hey, let's talk gear fest. 
<laughs> I think you just made the uh, segue. Yeah. So, so uh, uh, last week was uh, Gearfest over. Um, Sweetwater put it on, and uh, Bobby Osinski went, and he was just raving when I was talking to him on the phone about Gearfest. And I said, you know what? We're going to lead with that. I want you to tell us about Gearfest because I've read, I've never been, but I've read a ton of stuff, and it seems to just be getting better and better, and the traction just it just gets more and more traction. So, Bobby, why don't you tell us a little bit about Gearfest and what it is? Well, this is something that Sweetwater puts on. It's their own conference. They put it on every year. And uh, first of all, let me just lead by saying it's in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is about as far out of the way as you could ever get. Mm -hmm. That being said, there were 25,000 people there, attendees. Um, Sweetwater itself, you have to picture it like – and what it is, it's a small community college campus. Mm -hmm. It's it's that large. Wow. Um, they have three very nice recording studios, Russ Berger Design Recording Studios, about a 500, 600-seat theater, uh, two huge ballrooms that are kind of like uh, the size of, oh, the ballrooms you'd find in a big hotel, 800,000 people. Wow. And these were all filled, and <laughs> not only that, they have two restaurants, a medical center, a masseuse, um, a very high-tech uh, gym. Uh, Wait, this is Apple, right? <laughs> you, you'd think. You'd think. Uh, it, it's, it's really – well, they have 450 sales engineers. How many? 450. That's a Each lot. Sales, wow. sa- sales engineer goes through 12 weeks of training before they can talk to a customer. Wow. Uh, very impressive. Now, that being said – all of these spaces were filled up with normal concert things, with uh, or, or uh, conference things, with people giving presentations, with lots of players doing player things. And outside was multiple tents. I shouldn't say multiple. There were two pro audio tents. There were, and this is out in the parking lot. Two pro audio tents. A tent for guitars, a tent for keyboards, a tent for drums. And these were big tents, by the way. Uh, An open box tent where they were selling open box stuff, plus a flea market tent where anybody can come and sell their own stuff. Um, Wait, did you see anything cool in the flea market? I saw a lot of stuff, and and I I kept it in my wallet. (laughs) What was the coolest thing you saw in the flea market tent? A bunch of old, stupid microphones that I, I wanted to buy, like old EV microphones and stuff, and I just uh, I held myself. Now, that being said, speaking of microphones, they all also had all of these fantastic deals, like SM57s, brand new ones, for $57, wow. 58s for $58, and, wow. and the like. Did you buy those? No, I, you know, I have plenty of them, so I didn't need any more. Wait, but did, did you buy anything? No. Wow. No, I didn't. That's wow. good self-control. That yeah. is, you're a stronger man than me. Well, 10 years ago, I would have been broke. <laughs> you know, literally. But all I can say is, if you ever get a chance, go. Now, just to show you, there were no hotels available within a 45-minute radius of Fort mm. Wayne. Wow. Um, there, were, there was free water, water bottles for 25,000 people. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Free restringing of guitars, including the strings, if you brought your guitar. Wow. wow. And this was open to the public? Yes. They didn't have to pay. 
Oh. Wow. <laughs> all right, I would have brought my guitar there just this to get this like, strings. This sounds like everything good about Nam without that all is of not the that bad Nam. stuff. <laughs> no, this was about a third of the size of Nam. Wow. Wow, that's big. Wow. Uh, it was every manufacturer you can think of that that is worth anything. They were all I there. I saw API on Twitter and No, yeah. I mean, yeah. come on, API is there. Dave yeah. Smith was yeah. there. Like the, and and now the the vendors the the, the manufacturers they don't pay to go there. Either. What? Yes, that's right. That being said, what ends up happening is every single one of them that I talked to said, I'm so happy to be here. Sweetwater is 40% of my business. They're my biggest dealer, whatever. I just love coming here. I'd do anything for these people, whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it, I can't speak highly enough for it. It's that's worth amazing. the pain in the ass factor of getting to Fort Wayne, which isn't easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's but that's probably one of the reasons why they can do it too, though, because it's in Fort Wayne. You know, because the costs are probably less expensive for everything out there. It's it's East Coast exactly, so it's all the way. Oh, Fort, like in the no, middle. It's in the middle, in the Mid- oh, middle okay. of the country. It's a, a thirty-minute plane ride from Chicago. Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Would you fly into Indianapolis and then rent a car from there? Is that how you do it? No, Chicago and then Chicago. A, a short flight, 30-minute flight to Fort Wayne. Oh, Fort Wayne wow. has an airport. Yes, oh. they, have, they have an airport, yeah. <laughs> so it was it was pretty fantastic, and it was something that I'd like to go to. Again, I spoke, spoke on um, social media promotion for musicians to a, a, a packed room. And I have to say, this, again, shows you the depth that Sweetwater goes to. The person that introduced me was very impressive, and I asked him what he did. And he was the executive coach. They have a coach for all of their executives. Wow. Um, Chuck, now now, uh, let me give you one more story, and then we can move on. In the early 80s, I was a sales manager for AMEC consoles. Mm -hmm. And... I was traveling across the country, and my Midwest dealer said, you have to come meet this guy, Chuck. And I went to a small little music store, and it was small, and it was in a little strip mall, and it was Sweetwater Music. And here's this guy, Chuck, that is laying out his idea for this mail-order company 30 years ago. And And I walked away saying, there's no way, because of the politics between dealers, they, right. you know, they just won't allow this to happen. And then what happened was Guitar Center goes big and kills all the mom and pops, so he didn't, didn't have to worry about dealers. And then, of course, or the politics from the dealers, and then what happened was the Internet. Hmm. Now, this has gotten so big. There are 1,400 people. Sweetwater is the third largest employer in Fort Wayne. Wow. Behi- behind... The school system and medical. So essentially, wow. they are the biggest private company. And not only that, this is actually growing bigger. So now he has sweet helicopters, sweet av- aviation, sweet cars where they they sell Ferraris, Lamborghinis, stuff like that. <laughs> that's wow. that's real. That's real. <laughs> wow! Wow! That's impressive. So all I can say is, it, it's a fantastic organization. And anyone who's ever done business with them continues to do business. You, you mm-hmm. do always want to deal with these people because they're so nice and, and they're so helpful. 
I can see why. And uh, again, from both sides, even manufacturers want to deal with them all the time. So it's pretty fantastic. You know, that's really interesting that you said that about manufacturers because, you know, for me personally, you see the rise of Sweetwater and you see a behemoth that gets out there and they get so big, you immediately start to get a little skeptical and you're like, wow, this is, are they too big? Are they too big? Are they too giant? And why? Well, because we're used to um, the Guitar Center, Mm -hmm. you know, that they were huge, right? They got so big. And what really stunk about Guitar Center is they did some pretty like, um, just some of the business to business practices, you know, and, and demanding favorable, you know, percentages and things like that. And just really flexing the muscle, um, because they were Guitar Center, you know, and you hear, you know, uh, through the grapevine that certain manufacturers don't even like to deal with them, you know, and don't even want to deal with them because of some of the practices of, you know, ordering a bunch of product and then they shipping it back and then they're not, not paying on the invoice and things like that. You hear rumors of all this kind of really bad stuff. But having said that, you don't hear anything about that on Sweetwater. Like they, like all the dealers that I know that deal with Sweetwater, they have nothing but great things to say about that. Yeah. And that's super important because like Bobby was saying, it's like that, you know, your company is only as, as healthy as, as your suppliers, you know? Yeah. And, and it all, it, it works in this really crazy symbiotic relationship between the customer, the store and the suppliers and how it all kind of, they all kind of depend on each other. And when you get a bully in the middle, you know, you get Guitar Center. The, the way this place was actually constructed, if you went upstairs, there was an overlook of the warehouse. And you can see, and it was huge. It was like going to into an IKEA where you go. I was going to say it's the IKEA yeah. of yeah, music. Yeah, it was very much basically. like that. But then it was also like in Amazon. The pictures you've seen right. of Amazon, yeah. where it's all automated, and, oh, and the, wow. the boxes come down, and there people mm-hmm. that are filling. It was just amazing. <laughs> when I when I first dealt with Sweetwater, um, I didn't I didn't trust their niceness. Right, I was so used to you know being jaded by going uh-huh. to places like Guitar Center, etc., that I thought that it was all an act. And it took me a while to realize that no, they're actually sincere, and they're actually all really, really nice people, and they actually care about their customers. It was it's 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 a beautiful thing in this world to know that there are still places like that in which you know that's the mission statement of the company. And and part of the reason it stayed that way is because Chuck is still running it. I mean, he's the force behind it, and he's stayed true. I, I will say I do still have a giant pile of candy from the last big order we Yeah, you mentioned that last time. Yeah, absolutely, and it's still intact, although it's going down. But I don't know if I've told this story before, but one of my first memories when I met, first started working with Stevie Wonder was we were on a flight someplace on tour, probably in 86 because that was the big U.S. tour, the first one I did with him. And we were sitting on the plane once, and a guy came up, uh, to me, because he thought I was Stevie's bodyguard or something, which I was not, but uh, came up and said, could I introduce myself to you and Stevie? And I said, sure. And I tapped Stevie, took off his headphones. And the guy said, my name's Chuck Serac, and I'm starting, or I've started this uh, company selling music equipment, and if you ever need anything, you give me a call. And he gave us his card. And this is 1986. Hmm. Uh, and I've stayed in touch with him since. I mean, I sometimes only see him at, at trade shows, but... He was such a personable guy, and I could tell he was sincere, and we've done plenty of business with him over the years because of that. But it's not that often you meet somebody uh, 
just in a casual setting like that, and he turns out to be the real deal, and you actually maintain a relationship. He was actually at the door greeting people coming in. Wow. Wow. I'm not surprised. Bobby, let me ask you one question before we uh, put this to bed. Do you think that we could use it as a replacement for Nam, could you get like sort of all of your yearly business and all of your hanging out with your friends and all of that kind of stuff that happens at Nam? Do you think that Gearfest could be a replacement for that? Well, it's two days as compared to Nam, which is four, so that's a limiting factor there. The other thing is that although all the major manufacturers are there, the smaller ones aren't there, mm. and sometimes the fun part is the small guys. Yeah. Well, and that, and also, I mean. The whole point of NAM is it's where the music merchants go to see the new yeah, equipment, and this is right. obviously all centered around exactly. Sweetwater as a dealer. Plus all exactly. the um, you know, uh, events for synthesizers that are popping up around, uh, they are taking away energy from the NAM show in a way because now the expectation to see something cool is not on NAM. And, and, I mean, it hasn't been on NAM for a while, but now you go to Superbooth. Yeah. You know, to see synths and stuff like that. But, but like, I, is, I doubt that Guitar Center was at Gearfest yeah. talking, you know, signing up. Well, <laughs> here's, here's the thing. Nam. I, I don't think Nam's ever going to go away, nor is anything ever going to replace Nam because Nam is a business-to-business show. Right. right? So you're there to, to do deals. You're there to talk to your dealers. You're there to – like the whole consumer um, musicians going to show up, stuff like that, that actually, you know – grew more and more as Nam kind of, you know, through the late 80s and the 90s and now, you know, it became this big social thing, but really at its core, it's still business to business. It's still going in there and you have the little, you know, the music stores putting in their orders and that's where you get to meet the reps and things like that. So, I don't think it'll ever be replaced, but I think the social aspect of it, you know, but I, it think, I think yeah. it could, the, the other shows that show up and, and like the Gear Fest and Super Booth and things like that, I think that that's going to take a lot of But it th- wouldn't be a bad idea for NAMM to evolve, actually. No, you're 100% correct because on there's that. so many people wanting to go at the NAMM show because it's an event. They should just be happy that but there's it, a lot of people. But NAMM used to be that. It, they're devolving. It's, I mean, right, exactly. NAMM used to be exactly you know, what we're all talking about yeah. we wish it could be. Every year it gets more complicated just to get in just and Just to out. get in. Yeah, yeah. And, and it doesn't feel – it just feels like uh, something you got to do. But but I think I think a lot of it was complaints from from the uh, the business, from the businesses on both sides, you know, because they were – remember back in the day, we were like on a Saturday, you walk through, you know, Hair Alley where they have all the guitars and everything and you could move and – you know, if you're trying to do business and you're you're unfortunately have one of the smaller booths or even a medium sized booth, it's really hard to do business. But, but you there. know what? To me, seeing musicians liking or not liking a new instrument that is being introduced, it's actually very important for the for the people that have to sell them because they can tell, well, this is gonna sell well. There's a certain people element are exciting about yes, this. Yes, there's a certain uh, element of that. Yeah. But at the same time, it all comes down to getting those orders. Like I don't like the manufacturers that I'm friends with. The bottom line is usually is okay. First of all, did we pay for the for the convention? Yeah, that, that's the first thing. And then after we paid for it, like okay, now what are the sales? You know, what were the sales number? Sales number. Yeah. It's not who did you demo? You know, who who did you meet in your booth? It's an, it's, right, just, it's right. literally dollars and cents. So, and that's the way it kind of has to be for these people. Well, and also think about how much of Nam has been replaced with what you can achieve online. Right. You know. Yes. Which is why so many companies don't even think it's worth yeah, how about, you know, spending for it anymore. How about just picking up like 
materials, like picking up brochures. Like I can't – I remember you used to go and you used to have the heavy bags just yeah. stuffed full Filled with all the free magazines yeah. and everything. And the magazines yeah. and everything. But now it's like you look at the stuff and literally if I see something I want – I'll take a picture of it. I'll just take a picture, and yeah. I'll know I can go to the website. You know, so it's. You know, I was going to say I, I walked out with nothing last year, but it's not true. This year, it's not true. <laughs> I bought a six foot guitar. <laughs> you know a what? Six foot guitar. I, six foot. Guitar. I thought you were kidding no, until no. you told me you actually bought that. It's real. And the funniest thing is when I was of course you did. in all E. Okay, so I saw it online, saw on Twitter that. People were taking pictures, and I got really excited, and I wanted to see it. So I went to see it, and I, and I asked the guy, is it for sale? And the guy goes, yeah. So I was expecting a stupid high price, and, it goes, and, and he goes, $300. <laughs> Are you kidding me? So I gave him the money. Took the guitar with me. So now this thing is huge. <laughs> yeah. I would have loved it's to see you. No, and you, you can. Are. And you can. You know why? Because when I was on my way back to the Spectrosonics booth, yeah. um, Gaz Williams, the guy that does the podcast with Nick, uh, Sonic State, yeah. he was interviewing um, Reed Vernon. <laughs> Which is like, like a godfather of guitar. Right. So when he's doing the interview, Reed sees me walking by <laughs> and he goes, and there's a gigantic guitar. And I went, me, I see Gaz and I yell, Gaz. And Gaz goes, Diego. And so I went there and I said, I just bought the guitar. I was super excited. I mean, you can see. So basically, I hijacked their interview and the interview is online because it's part oh, I, of the Reed, gotta, Reed's interview. I got to check it out. That's I hilarious. I was just out of my mind. And, and yeah. so that's what I walked out with. How did you get that? Like, did it fit in your car? Oh, yeah. I, I think it was huge. It is huge. I took down the seats, but yeah, it's big. It's like, and it's a real functioning guitar. I mean, in big scale, so you can play it like, but. Hey, let me ask you a question. When, uh, you know, when you're trying to impress the ladies, do you bring out that? <laughs> <laughs> Want to check out my That's, guitar? I, I want to know do, what to. <laughs> do, you, do you bring out the big guitar? That's like overkill of impressing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So Gearfest, that just—it sounds like they're doing some great stuff. And, and how long have they been doing it? I don't know, but they have it down so quite some time. Mm-hmm. I would say I, I can't tell you the, the exact. It's been around times. for a while, though. I mean, in one form or another. Apparently, it takes them nine months to get it going. Wow. To, to wow. Yeah. But that being said, you know, say what you want about Nam, but I've been on the planning meetings on the phone with AES when AES is doing anything with, with NAM. And I have to say the NAM people are really impressive. They're really good at what they do. I have nothing but, but accolades for them. So I, like you say, Mike, a lot of it is driven by their members. They're, they're following what their members want. Yeah. Sure. So, uh, you know, I think if the members driv- drove it another way, they'd probably go that way. Yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll just say my whole point is is I don't think it's, it's going to go away. But I think what – you know what it did? It whet the appetite from everybody reading about NAM to allow things like Superbooth to exist yeah. and allow things like GearFest because it basically started from the whole – NAM experience. Yeah. And even the NAM experience, you know, as tight as it's gotten, it's still the quality place where if you want to just meet anybody that you ever yeah. dealt with, you're going to run into them at NAM. Yep. You know, it's like, 
you know, there's how many times do you run into somebody you haven't seen in like ten years? In like, a year, actually. The only thing you could bring Nam down is if the trend of manufacturers deciding not to do it yes. continues. I mean, there's yeah. nothing they can right. do about that. That's true, and that's actually a big a big thing because there's a lot of manufacturers that that are on the fence. But you know, I, to follow up with Bobby said though, I think Nam has a good. They have a really good perspective, and they're not like um, like AES, I think, because sometimes AES they they lose perspective on the manufacturers because they're super expensive to go uh-huh. to go to AES. And back in the day, you know, you could almost justify that because that's where you saw the big boy stuff for the big boy tool, you know, tools and and consoles for the big boy studios, but. They haven't involved. It's like their prices are still radically expensive to to go to an AES to and compared to the NAM. So you know. Anyway, we're going to segue from uh, talking about GearFest, which is a wonderful thing, to talking about something I think is a little. Um, well, it's actually it's pretty appropriate right now, and and um, we're going to talk about depression, um, and you know, with well, let's face it. With Anthony Bourdain's suicide, Kate Spade's suicide, but not just those two. I mean, within the podcast, within the last couple of years, you know, we've all known like Troy Morris, who was a salesman over at Westlake. He committed suicide, and Mike oh. Shipley. I mean, there's, it's affected you know people around this table, and um, me and Diego were talking on the phone, and uh, we were just talking about everything that was happening and how depression affects creatives. And I said, you know what? I think this is something we can talk about on the podcast. And I think it's pretty timely. Um, just to tell some stories of, you know, people's, you know, struggle with depression, but also to give people some hope, too, because there's a lot of positive stories. There's a lot of people, you know, who've, who've kind of worked through their depression in one way or another. And I just, I just think I want to – I just want to talk about – Depression, and before we get going, I, I want to say one thing. You know, the society that we have right now, and the generation, the millennials, and even the generation after the millennials, they have it tough because they have so much information available at their fingertips that it can be overwhelming, and it can actually lead to a lot of depression and a lot of anxiety. You know, you've got social media, which we'll we'll talk yes. about. You know, but not just social media. You've got um, comparisons with com- everything. Well, just the just the just the message that you get from advertisements mm-hmm. about how it's no longer about using a product because the product is good. You're using a product because it's going to make your quality of life better. No matter what it is, it's it's almost on this life like you know, it's going to make your whole existence better because you use whatever, Something. whether it's an iPhone, whether it's a you know that's marketing one hundred and one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's yeah. but it's it's hardcore and and it's disguised nowadays in so many different clever ways through viral marketing and things like that. So all this to say is this generation is being bombarded in a way that we never really had to worry about when we were younger. Because why? Because we could opt out of a lot of this kind of messaging. We could opt out because we had a TV that we could turn off and then we don't hear the commercials. And then you have magazines and then you have print and then that was it. And then you had the circle of people that you could <laughs> yeah. talk to. Now, So, yeah. So now 
we have this generation dealing with a lot of depression and and it's affecting everybody not just the millennials there's a lot of a lot of you know older people that are doing it and and dealing with depression so um i just want to let's just let's just start diego i know you wanted to say a few things about depression yeah. about creatives and why don't we start with you to me the reason why i think this is an important uh, conversation to have is because as creatives we all have our ups and downs and Sometimes, because we live in our own world, we tend to believe that it's just us. And when you start to believe it that way, then you get into a cycle that is not healthy. You know, talking to other people, even just to have an opportunity to say, hey, today I feel a little down, helps a lot, you know, because you have an opportunity to connect with another human being. If you go on Twitter or you go online on Facebook or whatever, you don't get that uh, support. Yeah, you can see what other people are doing. You actually see too much of what other people are doing. And you stay inside your own little cage of anguish, you know. And so I think it's important for people out there to know that this is a human experience. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes it's really bad. And in that event, you should, you know, seek the expertise of some expert right but if you are dealing with moods that are you know derailing your work there are some things that can be done to help you know okay so we're going to start off talking about depression i'm just going to open this up what gets you guys down what gets what gets you depressed well i start i had and I still do, I guess, chronic depression for all of my life. And I never figured it out until I was 40. I just felt that that was the way you're supposed to feel. Hmm. And, and what did it for me was I was standing in line at the supermarket, and there was a Time magazine in the rack, and there was a big cover story on depression. And for some reason, I picked it up, and I started to page through it, and I went, Oh my God, that's me. Mm. Hmm. And it caused me to go on a two, three year journey to find a way to feel better. Hmm. And talk, talking to a lot of different. Now, can I ask uh, if. Yeah, Rose, like, yeah. What would you feel like? What is that exact feeling that you were. Was it hopelessness? Was it a, was it a physical feeling? Was it a mood? Was it a. Uh, honestly, I felt that at my best, I was working at 75 or 80 percent of mm. what was possible. And normally it was below 50 percent if I had to look at it. If I, if I go back and look at my career, it never took off until I figured this out, to be mm. honest with you. And what happened was um, when I finally got the right ca combination of drugs – then everything worked. And I've been taking those drugs every single day since because I don't want to go back to that. Wow. And, and honestly, it, it, was, it was bad. I felt terrible. I never got suicidal, but I could completely understand why somebody would want to to stop the pain. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a powerful now, story. And, and i got to tell you, it was bad in the studio because I would, I, there was two moods that I get. One mood is I don't want to be here. I feel so bad. I hate everything. Nothing feels good. And the other mood was anger. Mm. I was ang yes. angry at everybody, and boy, I get into some bad 
situations in the studio. You know, in, in regard to anger, and this is something that sometimes I, if I pay attention, I'm experiencing too, but the anger actually comes from caring so much about stuff and seeing that they could be better if we could be better. And so you realize, you, you become a nihilist because what else can you do? Mm-hmm. And so you, you're, you're getting angry about things that you see, things that bother you, right. and seeing things hurt you. Sometimes when you're super sensitive, if you see somebody hurting somebody or somebody hurting an animal, I feel horrible for days. Wow. And I feel angry because I feel like what can be done to stop these people from just being around, from, from hurting other creatures. And so I think if you sum this anger day after day combined with the other issues, you really get to the point where you don't want to be part of it anymore. Wow. You know? Yeah. So And, and social media, again, it's another... Yeah, well, we're going to talk about yeah. social media, yeah. but let me just tell you that what's interesting, what you were saying about anger and what you expanded on in anger, that, you know, when you follow that to, to you know, it's, it's the nth degree, a lot of times that, that anger turns into intensity. Yeah. Right? You, you, like I had, I had a friend who was super intense all the time. And, it, and it's, it's ultimately, you know, he later on was, was found out that he was depressed, um, suffered from depression. But it was that anger. That yeah. anger, like, like he was, like, you just felt like at any second he would go feel on the other side. Violent people, unfortunately, they know how to express their anger and their violence against something else. Yeah. But people that are not violent in nature, they just take it in and it wrecks you inside yeah. because you don't know what to do with it. You know, it's not part of your nature, but you are experiencing it yeah. because it's out there. Well, I recommend screaming. I'm very good at that. <laughs> yeah, Boy, screaming that, helps. That, that yeah, didn't happen to me. I, I and I did just what you're not supposed to do. I'd be mixing, and I'd have a client that would make suge- suggestions, and I would think, this is perfect. Why are they even thinking of this? <laughs> and I would tell them, and I'd get right. really angry, and I've actually quit projects i've stormed out of the room I've, wow yeah yeah i mean you I, know that's that's just blowing my mind way, right now way over the top and, and it was a part of of the depression and then of course i'd feel so horrible that i did that then i would go right down right oh, i feel terrible about yourself let me let me jump in here a little bit because i have a a tremendous amount to say about this subject first of all i wanted to address the anger thing a little bit because i experience it differently Mm. and this is why so i mean everybody around this table experiences the world much more through their ears than the average person right that's why we do this and i get angry when i'm too stressed out and i'm too stressed out when there is too much input coming in and i don't know how to turn it off so if people are talking and i'm hearing three different conversations at the same time or if i'm driving on the freeway in la and i'm doing my very best not to hit anybody and people are driving around in extremely careless ways all of those things just start to like get my stress level up and up and up and up and up and up and And then finally after a while you know a safety valve quote unquote for me then is to yell about it Uh right and it doesn't do anybody any good least of all me but certainly not anybody else around um and I, i agree that anger is a is a interesting an interesting aspect of depression bobby first of all i really want to um thank you and congratulate you for your bravery in talking about that on this show because i know that it's it's a it's a big deal oh i never do and i never have to be honest with you i i will 
in the past, the only time I've shared this is with somebody that's exp- going through the experience. Yeah. The problem is you can empathize with them, but you can't help them. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone's on their own trip. I want to yeah. tell a, a very sad story um, briefly about this just so that we can, you know, because we're talking about artists and creative people sure. and depression. So, um, so my mother was an artist. She was a fine art painter mm-hmm. and had, you know, a following and, you know, did this really beautiful, very vibrant, very colorful folk art. But she never dealt with her she never dealt with her depression the right way. Instead she dealt with it by going to the bottom of a bottle. Uh-huh. And so she self medicated her depression into the grave. And the result of that is that she doesn't get to see her grandkids grow up. Uh-huh. And wow. the loss, you know, to me and to Julie Sorry, and my man. son is right over there's horrible. So you know, I've 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 lived through this and it's awful and there was this incredible feeling of helplessness, particularly towards the end when I knew that, you know, there was nothing much that I could do. You know, I was sitting there trying to take her to the hospital, trying to do something. And there was this feeling of helplessness, this feeling of powerlessness. And what I realized afterwards through a tremendous amount of, uh, you know, examination of it is that she was ready to go. Uh-uh. So she didn't want me to take her to the hospital because she was done. Right. She mm. was, And so, it wasn't suicide, but in a way it was. It was yeah. suicide by drinking or suicide by not taking care of yourself. Wow. Um, so it, it's really, really heavy. Uh, you know, I've dealt with a tremendous amount of um, depression as well. Mr. Personality, I know, it's true. And, you know, the personality thing isn't a front. I'm a really happy person most of the time. Yeah. But that's most of the time. That right. is not all of the time. Right. And um, I do have a couple of uh, pieces of advice for listeners. So if, you know, you're listening to us and you respect us and you realize that we're humans and, you know, we have these same problems too, hopefully that makes you feel a little bit better. A couple of things that I have found are incredible helps for depression. The, the, the biggest one is exercise. If you can go out and you know do a regular thing with exercise, it'll help with your depression. You it know really will. Hold on to the other ones because we're gonna okay. we're gonna end this segment. Oh, okay. Talking all right, about, all right. I would we'll like talk to add just one then. little thing because yeah. it, it makes sense in the context of what we just said. You know, it's interesting because nobody is ever ashamed of saying, "Hey, my back hurts really bad," or right. "I broke my arm." But if you go out and you say, "Today I really feel bad," or "I have these thoughts," "I have these things." Society tends to look at you, at you like, eh, you know, and this is a problem. We should not have a stigma for mental issues because right. body issue, mental issues, they're all the same. We're all the same thing, you know, and sometimes mental issues drive other issues. So it's important for those who are in a position to seek help to yeah. know that this is something that is important to talk. No, you know? abs- absolutely. Let me ask you, um, yeah. Nick. Yeah. Um, just really quick, what what gets you depressed? Just a sentence or two, um, and it could be as simple as relationships or this well, or I'm, politics I'm, or whatever. I'm going through a divorce, and oh. so the it, it's not the divorce itself that gets me depressed. It's not the you know the financial aspect, although all of those things are terrible. It's the um, feeling that the family that I always you know, fantasized about having this perfect, sure. you know, family with two kids and, you know, the dad and the mom and the, and the two and a half dog, you know, dogs and the cars and the white picket fence. All of that was a fantasy. And that's not what the reality is. And so coming to grips with or trying to come to grips with that 
gets me very depressed. Um, I can I can tell you that there have been many weekends in which I would leave Disney, you know, after working a hard week, and I would, you know, be on my bed on Saturday, and I would spend the whole day sitting on my bed just looking out the window. Yeah. You know, yeah. I had so little spare time, but I was spending it without the motivation. I was listless. I was, wow. Wow. everything felt very gray. Right. And uh, that's, that's, a, that's a symptom of depression right yes. now. Wow. Yeah. Let me, let me. Um, well, well, can I jump in? Sure. Andrew, because you mentioned what makes you depressed. Yeah. In my case, nothing did. Wow. It would. It just was, mm. and it would happen in a wave. Almost. So I would feel. Put it like this: I would go down like a, on a trough on a wave. I would never come back up to the top. I, I would just keep on going down. I come back for a little, and I go down. And it would happen in cycles, but there wasn't necessarily anything that would kick it off. Right. And that that's why I felt that it was normal. Because I, there was, wasn't anything that really Triggered made, it, it, made yeah. it worse. Yeah. Wow. So, but the 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 message here is, you can get over it. There are medications out there that can help you. Now, it's not as easy, unfortunately, as oh, I'm going to take this. I'm going to feel better tomorrow, because it's about a six week period before you can tell whether it's working or not. Wow. And the problem is it's six hard weeks that you're going through. And then at the end of it, you might think, well, it didn't really help all that much. Mm. And you have to try something else. You have to try a cocktail of things or whatever. That being said, yes, there, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And, and you will find it. You can find it, and you're going to feel better. And, and, and I'm exhibit A of that. I, all I can tell you is since that happened to me, that's when my life kind of took off. Wow. My career took off. We're gonna, I'm going to hold you on that one because we're going to talk about the post-depression thing. But before that, I just want to spend two more things uh, on, on the depression side itself. Um, well, let me ask you, Rob. Rob, do you ever get depressed? Or do you ever get bummed? Not even depression. Do you, you get bummed? Like what affects you negatively? I mean, if if things in my career are very frustrating, I'll get frustrated. But I think I don't think I have these these same issues. I think right. I, plenty of terrible crap happens to me, uh, <laughs> and I react to it the way anyone would by feeling frustrated or angry or yeah. whatever. And I mean, I'm running multiple companies and have had a multi decade career in music, so I've had plenty of things that would frustrate me. I or guess you'll feel, you'll feel blue. I feel I blue. Yeah. I guess I tend to when I'm that way though. I get extremely analytical and just say I have to figure out a way out of this. I've never had like a medical depression issue, and I feel really lucky, right, about it because I have plenty of other friends who have. But but that's okay. I mean, that, like not everybody is is you know is depressed per se. Everybody You're telling me it's fun. okay not to be depressed? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, but but like, but I'm just curious of like what would like career things or, or I think I'm lucky that or, when and believe me I'm dealing with plenty of poopoo <laughs> right this second but it I think I it, it's a more linear equation to me if something sure. terrible happens I react to it as something you know something terrible has happened but I sort of find my way through it and I mean I've lost both my parents I've been through horrible illness issues with right. them and you know plenty of things that were very very depressing at the time but I think I think the difference is I've always been able to 
trace exactly why I'm feeling depressed. Like if my mom is dying, I understand why I'm feeling of depressed. About yeah. it. I've never had that sort of feeling where I know I'm feeling a certain way and I don't know why I'm feeling that way. And I can picture that being terrifying. Mm. Like, why am I feeling so down? Especially because things could even be, I've had other friends who are depressed and things seem to be going really, really well for them. Yeah. So there's definitely no correlation between what you think is happening for them in their life and how they're feeling about it. Yeah. There can well, be there can be a correlation because difficulties in your life can be catalysts yeah. for um, those kinds of those kinds of problems. Uh, right. The the thing to remember very brief. I didn't mean to derail you. No, and I'm just saying that I've never yeah. gotten to experience where there wasn't that correlation yeah. in my life. What what I was g- going to say is that you know depression just like any just like any disease or just like many diseases, there isn't just one gene. There isn't just one simple, easy cure, but a lot of depression is chemically based. It's based on not having enough dopamine in your, you know, in your brain. Serotonin. Serotonin. That's why there is medication. Yeah. Neurotransmitter reuptake inhibitors. I mean, basically all they do is inhibit the synapses from taking up too much serotonin after it, uh, after it's shot up. It's as simple as that. It's, Hmm. it's, well, How about you? Well, like, I'll, I'll tell you. The reason why I wanted to ask what different people, what gets them depressed is when, when we were talking about this show, um, I'm kind of like Rob in the fact that I, I – there's not a lot of things that get me down because if I – and I think it's – and maybe that's why we were really good keyboard techs because you know, as, a, as a problem arose, we just got in this analytical mode and – and did it, but I do get bummed, and and I I do feel things, and the thing that affects me the most is relationships with people. Mm, yes, yeah. that to me is huge. I've always been kind of romantic at heart, and then I've always put a lot of weight on on people and relationship with people, and and my relationships are absolutely tiered. <laughs> I've got tiered relationships. It's not like I treat everybody equal and everybody is is equal in my heart either. I'll be honest. You know, there's just there's certain levels of makes sense. You know, to me. of yeah. of. Uh, for lack of a better word, intimacy with certain people. Right. So, like, if you're on the outside circle and you know you're an acquaintance, and we we hang out maybe once a month or twice a month, or you can call them, you know, if something goes wrong there, it doesn't really affect you. But it's when the people work their way into the super inner circle, and then those things for me have always been like that's where I get in trouble. That's where things just can derail if it, if a relationship goes sideways and I feel that and it just it, it really that yeah. really bums me out. Yeah. I I think there's a lot of people that get affected by relationships, you know, in in that way. And when I um when my daughters, you know, they're growing up, um I you know, you read a lot of horror stories about young kids and the Romeo and Juliet syndrome mm-hmm. and all that. And I knew how, how, you know, relationships affected me. And I knew, you know, some of the things I did and didn't because of the way the relationships affect me. And I didn't want that to happen for my girls. So I was really conscious about just providing an environment where they could always talk to me about their relationships and they could always come to me and, I just wanted this line of communications that, let's face it, it wasn't there with my parents because they didn't know. You know, this is above their you know pay grade you know, <laughs> with Barony One Hundred and One. And so, the thing I did with because I knew how relationships affected me is, as I just wanted to give them you know a couple little nuggets of like 
how to handle relationships. And one of the big things that I told them, I said, look, if you're ever with a guy, if you're ever with somebody in a relationship and they're going to pit you against yourself or your family, then just use that as a red flag that that's probably not the best relationship to be in. Right. You know, Because I think relationships are so – it's like – it's what's kind of screwed up about the whole social media thing yeah. because it's screwing up how people interact with people and, and, they are very important and what gives to, them the yeah. right to interact with right. people. Like you shouldn't – OK, let's say you have this you know, Facebook friend right. and they're going all over the world. And in normal life, they would be like a third level out you know, right. intimacy factor, right? Yeah. But you see them every day on your phone because they're always posting and they're always posting all these great shots and they're always posting all these great things. Hey, I'm doing this. Hey, I'm doing that. That person starts affecting you. Yep. Uh, and you, and how you think, and that's where social media is screwing up yep. because it's kind of messing up the whole balance of of everything. And you're giving people way too much weight in your life than they deserve. And back in the day when you didn't have that, it took time to bring people in to get people close. But now with social media, you know, oh my gosh, look where she's at today, and oh my gosh, look, what, what, why am I not doing anything? Why am I not? It's like you, you get these influencers that I don't think people consciously realize that's what's happening, is they're, they're giving a lot of weight to these people on social media that they shouldn't, you know? And it's really a thing that triggers a lot of people's depression and being, being bummed, I mean, you know? If you, and this is something I mentioned to some friends talking to them, I said, if you are having a conversation one-to-one -one with somebody, you wouldn't say, I mean, if you are going to say something really stupid, that thing, the same way you would say it on Twitter. Because on Twitter, everything is so extreme, especially in these days, that everything is either making a statement, uh, showing that you either belong in one club or another club, yeah. um, showing that you are following some sort of lines some it's all about compliance in a way you have to comply absolutely you know and and that is not how human beings work you know human beings are having have conversations right and that's how you can have an idea and somebody else can have a different idea and then you talk about it and maybe you will change your mind yep. maybe he's changing your mind it doesn't matter at the end of the day having that conversation is very important let me show you, you know, to, to take what you're saying. This is, this is how whacked it's gotten, okay? Let's go back 50 years. Mm -hmm. all right, let's go back 75 years, all right? You know, way before most of us were here, okay? 75 years ago, if you wanted to talk to a group of 12 people, you had to have a group of 12 people <laughs> physically there, right? And you had to have something to say that was worthy of these 12 people yes. being around. If you wanted to talk to a group of 100 people, then you really had to have something good to say. And you really had to be at a place where people put you up, elevate you to talk to 100 people. If you wanted to talk to 1,000 people, you're running for office, right? And <laughs> you basically have a whole engine that's putting you up there to talk to all these people. Basically, what I'm saying is you're earning your right to, to hit more and more people. Right. Now, nowadays, it, you know, people, their opinions, they feel like they can, you know, they feel like everybody's opinion is weighted. Everybody's opinion is, is the same. It's just like you you can you can go out there and say anything you want, and you think that your opinion matters. And the reality is, it doesn't really matter. And, to a lot and of you people. know what's even more bad about this thing that these two aspects are connected 
in a loop with each other because you want to be important because you want to feel alive. Yeah. You are maybe depressed. And so you're trying to say, hey, I'm here. <laughs> and then you say something extreme and people then hit back at you and yeah. say, hey, you shouldn't have said that or something like that. It's just an example. And then you get even more depressed. So you're yeah. trying to be alive and be human. And instead, you know. So let me, let me, so we have this crazy, you know, society that we live in. We've got social media that's kind of, you know, messing us up, you know, that's affecting us one way or the other. Let's bring it back to being an artist mm-hmm. and let's bring it back to, to our music and what we do. Yeah. Look, most of the stuff that I do that's good has been because I'm bummed. <laughs> it's true. It's really true. Even yeah. some of the simple things, um, even even the genesis for the podcast, mm. although it started at NAMM show, I was bummed when I thought about doing the podcast and I needed something to lift me out and I, I needed I, I, to create an outlet. I am here and, in the States yeah. because when I was 24, I got this horrible work experience that I touched the bottom. I was like, I'm useless. I mean, my family, my dad basically wasn't even talking to me at that point because, you know, in Italy at the time in the countryside, doing what I wanted to do was like, it's like saying you want to be an astronaut. <laughs> that kind yeah. Of, like, yeah, sure, keep on dreaming. Yeah. Uh, you know, my mom was supportive, but, you know, my dad was not. And so I was basically at the bottom, bottom, bottom. I left this place crying. I was broken. I didn't know what to do. And... You know, I wrote an, a letter to Eric <laughs> and that started the relationship, that, right. you know, with Spectrosonics and them and that got me here. So those moments are, yes, important. They're bad because they they really heavy. But at the same time, they, they can be pivotal moments in somebody's life. Right. I, I have a, a concept that I this has been with me all my life and it's called um, living in the blue. Mm-hmm. All right. Like. Sometimes I just need to get to the blue. I need to get to that part where there's like a, almost like a little bit of heartache. Mm-hmm. And man, it's weird. But if I can tap into that, some really freaking great stuff can happen. Mm. And it's just – and and I, I think about that and I think about how I feel, whether it's playing the piano or whether it's on yeah. editing or whatever. Um, I do really great work at night. You mm. know, I, I don't work really well in bright sunshine. Like, mm. you know, I – All vampires do that. Well, so it's, but it's just pretty a, normal. But it's just the way it is. <laughs> And but but I think about that, and as I was putting the show together, you, you think about some of the intense musicians that mm-hmm. that are out there who who have this depressive cloud amongst them, and it gets so intense, and then th- that it pushes their art forward, and you get yeah. some really great stuff, and yet they're really depressed. I was in Amsterdam, um, and uh, we went to the Van Gogh Museum, mm-hmm. and Van Gogh was depressed. You know, and you, and you look yeah. at his artwork and you're like, man, that depression is right there on the canvas. Yeah. And he was such a genius, but like just the, just some of his color choices that he makes. Like if you look at his yellows, it's not a bright yellow. There's, mm. there's like brown and there's, there's, there's all these hues and you look at that and I'm like, man, you kind of get it. You kind of get the whole mindset of, of why he ended the way he ended. Even yeah. his last couple of uh of paintings there's you can just see you know there's one with crows and and you're just mm. like 
wow. It, it, it just, I think artists, there's a certain element of depression that leads to the genius of, of what they do. Now there's not, no, not all artists are like that. Yeah. I, but, I want to, I want to jump in there and be very careful I want to make sure that we're not romanticizing mm. depression or saying that good art only no, no. comes from sadness because I don't think that's true. I think that there's a correlation. I, I think you're hundred percent. Yeah, I think that's yeah. which was and also that was going to be another the next thing point. that is important is not to romanticize it because yes, it can be an element of drive for some people, right? But not for everybody, you know. But here's the thing too: it's like a lot of times I'll get sparked, yeah, when I'm depressed, but. I'll finish and I'll accomplish on a, on a high note. And what happens for me is I start a project and it'll be here. But as I'm working through my art and as yeah. I'm doing whatever I'm doing, yeah. I'm freaking excited about it. Yeah. And it, and it kind of, it, for me, it's, it's like self-therapy. It like, it flips it. It yeah. flips it into like in fact, a real positive music thing. music can be. And I think there's, you know, there's artists that, that right. even, you know, work on the other way. They're here and they, and they're very uplifting with the, like, like they just, you can hear it in their music. There's a certain positivity about right. it. There's certain certain things. And then obviously artists, some artists write great songs when they're bummed and other great songs when they're not bummed, when yeah. they're excited, you know? I, I am of the, j- just to be the, you know, just to be the opposite there, I am the positive guy. So when I'm depressed, I have no desire to pick up an instrument. I have no desire to work on anything, right? Because there's just no energy. It's just listless. Right. Um, the creation comes when i'm feeling buoyant and when i'm feeling yeah. good and if you listen to you know if i go back and listen to my music over the last 25 years i can absolutely hear it it's all music that's optimistic and that's uplifting because it came out of when i was feeling that way that's you know what that's it that's a listen, great there's point there's another thing all. that i i was uh, made aware by this friend that um, she she's studying the topic and she has expertise uh, personal expertise about how food uh, and specifically sugar can affect uh, our mood mm. because we don't think of it much. It's like, oh, yeah, it's just food. No, it's basically like the stuff that you put inside your body. And sugar is a terrible thing. And I can tell from personal experience that if I eat a lot of sugar, a lot of sweets, number one, my energy gets killed immediately. But it also puts my mind in a weird spot because this thing is not good, you know? So... This is, again, another thing that is useful to mention for somebody that is trying to figure out why is this thing happening to me? How can I get out of it? Uh, Because, you know, I am, again, uh, you know, agreeing with you. I don't want to romanticize it. No, I I, I agree. And I don't don't mean to. No, and I don't mean that you did. No, no, no. Because I I, I know what you're talking about. No, no. This drive, this I'm getting out of this. Right. And and I'm not by any means, like, I'm not saying that that's – you know, the only way I create, but a lot of times it, it comes like, you know what I think it is? I think it's just my self-defense mechanism. We, you know? Exactly. We like, all do I, have I something. I start feeling really down. Right, I start feeling right. really bad. And for me, it's like, okay, I got to do something. I, I got I to do something to pull myself Mike, out Mike, I do the same. It's like mm-hmm. whether – if I have the choice between going into a hyperproductive period or going into depression, yeah. I go into the hyperproductive period. Yeah. You know, why would I pick the other way, you know? And, and, and I think – as an artist, I think if you're aware of of what's happening, um, I think that's a real healthy thing. If you feel yes. like you know when you're feeling bad and you know that okay, I can't, I can't write, and then 
but at least you're aware of like I, I can't write. And right. I think what happens sometimes with some people and the way they're they're wired is when that depression turns into despair, it gets dangerous. Yeah, for example, I agree with Rob. You know, I I also am pretty analytical in in the way I see things and I and I think of I okay this happened this way so I gotta fix it that way. The problem comes because I care a lot about stuff that, that matters to me. There are things, there are certain topics that are particularly dear to me. I can't stand violence on animals, for example. And when I see those things on Twitter, I just, I, I just lose my mind. Not that I do anything. I just get angry and I feel sick inside. But that analytical thinking at that point does nothing, mm-hmm. you know, because I know how it happened. I know how I'm feeling, and yet I can get out of it, yeah. you know, because it's a big thing, you know. Diego, well, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Diego, I, I, have, a, I have a suggestion for you, mm-hmm. and this is a suggestion that has come out of, out of my own life. Okay. Which is um, don't put yourself in the position to have to see that kind of stuff. So I yeah. – I, do very very little social media. I, deleted I, my I, I do account, too. I use it great. mostly for work, and I don't yeah. tweet about. I try to keep it. <laughs> the original intent, if I understood the way it was, it was: hey, this is a, a media, a medium that you can use to promote whatever you do or right. to say something. But now it evolved, it evolved into something really bad for me. But I agree with you. But it's just that sometimes people that I know that are not necessarily posting that kind of stuff randomly. Here's the thing. And so what I started doing, I started muting people <laughs> because I, I, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to say, hey, I'm not your friend anymore. But at the same time, I don't need to see that because I really have nothing. It's out of my control in that, such a bad way. You know what? That is probably the smartest thing you've done because I did that. I did that yeah. during – well, during the election, if anybody posted anything political. Same thing. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Literally, one of my good friends at work who mixes in the next bay over, you know, he's like, hey, did you? he had this kid and everything and, right. you know, was talking about the picture. And I'm like, uh, no, I didn't see it. I muted you. <laughs> you know what? There are few sounds. Try this, but there are few sounds as refreshing as turning off the news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously, yeah. I agree. Yeah, it's amazing. Just I, I agree. How definitely. good that feels. Well, let me let me just bring this point up because we're gonna we're about we're gonna we're gonna pull it we're gonna pull it up we're okay. gonna pull it up. But um, you know, we're talking about depression, and and I made this point a little bit earlier, but I just really wanted to stress this is. Um, from everything that I've read and everything that just personally, it's you got to be aware of, of the despair. You mm-hmm. got to be aware of when depression gets to that point of, of just there's no way out. Cause, cause when you see your friends, if you see people that you know, and they're starting to talk like that. And when you start reading the reports on, on the way some of these yeah. people who took their lives were talking before, there's this, this sense of hopelessness and there's a sense of despair. And, I'm not a psychologist. I, I don't know how, you know, I couldn't give you any advice how to pull yourself out. All I can tell you is if you have friends that are like that, they just, you just really need to cue into that. That's, that's where it's depression is really, really dangerous. That's where it's really bad, mm-hmm. you know, and some bad things happen from there. So, you know, just be aware of that, you know, mm-hmm. just be aware of, of, of the whole depressive cycle. Um, but now we're going we're gonna to change that because now I want to talk about some of the, some of the things that, that we do around here. And, and Bobby, you've already talked about what, what you've done. But just to you know, pull yourself out and mm-hmm. the fact that, that there is art out there. And that what sometimes the thing that can you know, 
bring you down it can also bring you up you know right. writing good songs or listening to music yeah. or getting outside you know let's you know i just want to open it up around yeah you know how do you how do you make yourself feel better like bobby i mean obviously we know none of those things help me talking to people didn't help hmm. exercising didn't help nothing helped the only thing that eventually helped was chemical mm. which i think you know what i think that's fantastic because you know you got a lot of people who attack you know the especially psychiatrists who you know are the ones that um prescribe the medications yeah. you know they sometimes are under attack oh, and, oh wait oh psychiatrists didn't help really as a oh. matter of fact psychiatrists that were prescribing medication didn't help it was my family physician that finally came up with the right cocktail oh, oh which right is great it's even better. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I mean, you see a lot of self-help stuff where they, they speak bad about medication, you know, and they, they speak. And, and I think that's, you know, I think it's not I the same be for everybody. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't exactly. for I think that's I think that's great. I think that's really, really a great example. And um, that's really, really cool. What, what about you, Diego? What When you get down, what, what kind of helps bring you up? I, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, um, there are levels of depression, and, and sometimes you can get out of it uh, by yourself. Sometimes you just have to ride it. Uh, not because you have to, but you know. Yeah. In my case, and I think I'm lucky in that sense, my work, what I do, helps a lot. because, But, but I do it in a certain way. I don't make either it's uh, sounds or music with the intent of... Uh, getting an applause. I just do it because I need to get that thing out in the world for me to say, here it is. And that helps me a lot because if I were to do that and and wait for people to respond, I think I would put myself in a, in a vulnerable position because what if they say they don't like it? Right. What if they have comments? But So this is the thing that I, is also my advice is if you know that there's something that feels good to you, uh, in, in the context, you know, of what we're talking about, making music, making art, doing some activity, do it with the with the intent of uh, making yourself feel good. Don't worry about the others too much because you, you are in a position where, and sometimes I am in a position where I have to take care of myself first before I take care of somebody else, mm-hmm. and and so music helps me. Uh, sort my world, you know, and and get it back together. But other advices like, you know, staying away from the news, yeah. uh, avoiding uh, fights that are pointless, yeah. uh, and engaging in activities that are more constructive, you know. Um, personally, I see a big shift when I am with friends and when I'm not, you know, because I have... A, a positive personality too but if you stay away too much from it you forget that yeah. you are that kind of person you know yeah. so seeing some friends and having good friends because you know friends that are like you know a, the best friend to me is somebody that tells you I love you for what you are you know I, I like you as a friend because that's how you are you know I don't, yeah. I don't need to change you and so that's an important thing to, for me to have in my life, especially because my family is uh, in Italy. I don't, wow. have, I don't have any of my family here. At the beginning, I was going through some uh, 
I, I felt the effect, you know, about, you know, when you separate yourself from your family and everybody else the way I did, it does affect you. Because, right. yes, I was very motivated by the ambition and, and wanted to come here. But at the end of the day, your mom, your dad, your brother, your yeah. niece, yeah. <laughs> nephews, uh, cousins, they're no longer in your life all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah. You know? it's, I, when I moved to L.A., I felt lost. Yeah for a long time for that very reason right. and I'm lucky my family's only 300 miles away but still still it's it's tough and uh, what the, about you Nick what do, yeah. you, what do you how do you how do you pull yourself up so the, okay so I have like four or five different things so the first one and the most important one is where I was just leading from that which is um, the 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 fellowship of the people that are important in my life like the people sitting around this table mm-hmm. right I mean there is you know, we all know that unconditional love and unconditional acceptance of the other people is the thing that makes you feel really solid and really good inside. And when I said, I always look forward to coming here and recording the podcast, I'm not joking about that. I just love being around you guys and it makes me feel really good. Um, I think that if you're feeling depressed, Go to a coffee shop. Go somewhere where there are other humans around. Don't hole up in your, in apart- in yeah. your apartment because you'll just isolate yourself away yeah. from everybody. Uh, I did mention um, exercise a little bit earlier. All of the research shows, unfortunately, perhaps not for Bobby, but the, re- the research shows that exercise uh, has an enormous positive beneficial impact on, on people, depression. Yeah. You know, stay away from Alcohol is a depressant. Marijuana is a depressant. Stay mm-hmm. away from that stuff. It doesn't help you if you're mm-hmm. feeling that way. Um, and then the other thing that I did, which I feel very good about, as I said, I deleted my Facebook account. Me too. It's not <laughs> worth. It's not worth. The benefits are not worth the the sad things. And the yeah. other aspect is, um, I made the conscious decision that the entertainment that I was going to consume was not going to be violent and was not going to be, you know, down because life is hard enough. You know, it, it's interesting. I think about our society and I think about the, you know, this will sound far afield. Think about the last few Superman movies that they released in which they tried to make Superman dark mm. and they made his costume like this dark blue and the movies were dark and the movies were desolate and mm. That is that's where our society is. That is the quintessential opposite of who Superman is, yeah, right? Of who he was designed. Well, this this beacon of positivity, yeah, and right. to even and to think that and to think that what our society wants to see is that kind of negativity and that kind of pessimism. You know, it, it tells me that that we need to refigure the way that we're that we're looking at art and the way that we're treating And that's other. why those Superman movies sucked. Agreed. Well, that can and be described as the Batmaning of Superman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and that's why I, they lost me. When you couldn't figure out how to get red shorts on Superman. You have no rights yeah. to do a Superman movie. So, so the, uh, let me ask, let me finish up with one last one and then, sure. I will go, then I will go. The last thing I do that absolutely helps me is helping other people. Mm-hmm. So whenever I'm volunteering for something, I'm deeply involved in the Boy Scouts, and I'm never feeling depressed. When I cook I'm for other kids. people. I love exactly. cooking for other people Go because and, it's yeah. it's such a. I'm good at cooking, and I know that they enjoy the food. So why not? Yeah, it makes people feel good. Go to the food pantry and help people there. Go help people because helping other people helps you. It helps your heart. Yep, that's, that's pretty awesome, Rob. 
how do you approach it when you're uh, you're, you're very analytical, as you had said? I but, am. And but how does that how does that <laughs> you know work? how he he writes down a list of curses that he's going to say, <laughs> and he's going to say it, <laughs> and then go fix the problem. <laughs> no, I wish it was that easy. No, I mean for me, obviously being around friends and family helps, and I have a nice network. But on a day to day basis, my main thing is <clears throat> uh, the gym, hmm. going to the gym for me and getting. Extreme physical exercise, and I mean, I'm maniacal when I go there. I mm. because during a really, 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 really intense workout, you can't think about other things, okay. and that brain break is what does it for me. Mm. So um, that's like my daily ritual, especially during stressful times. Wow, is to just put myself through absolute hell <laughs> that no one else would would say is fun, but. For me, that is a real brain break. And afterwards, obviously, real life creeps back in when that's over. But you know, if you're about to drop a million pounds on your face, you can't focus on anything except <laughs> not doing that. And so that, that's my main thing that's kept me sane. And this has been such a stressful year. I've gotten in the best shape of my life. So that, that helps too. <laughs> there you go. And you are buff. Buddy. <laughs> it's been a really stressful year. You can tell if I get fat, things have uh, calmed down quite a bit. Well, um, I've got three things that I okay. want to say about pulling yourself out of depression and how I how I work and and I had to get to a place because although I don't suffer from depression like I said I feel things a lot and relationships mean a lot and the first thing I want to tell you is I had to give myself permission to let people let me down Hmm. like when someone would let me down I would really feel really bad but I never put myself in their situation as to why they let me down Hmm. you know and who am I that I should even be holding them accountable to holding me up in the first place? You know, I don't have any right. You know, I don't have any right to say anything. Now, obviously, if there's certain situations, if you're in a business or things like that, but sometimes, you know, uh, in a creative environment, and I know everybody around here can relate where you have this project that you want to get done and you get people that jump on board and they're all excited and they're all like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then, by the time it's done, you're like the only one running, <laughs> you know, and, and people have kind of like, you know, faded from the project in one way or the other. Hey, my passion isn't their passion. My vision isn't their vision. So yeah. for me, since it was all about relationships, you know, it was, it's okay. It's like, you know, uh, do I got my health? Am I still here? Yeah, it's okay if they, if they, if they let me down. Right. So that was the first thing. Second thing that I, that I did is I started to Really, like when I'm down and I and I get into a project or something, um, obviously everything that everybody said was great. But the one thing that that I do huh. is I look at other art. I look at other things. I listen to music. I go to a museum. I yes. see a movie. I just do. I I look at other people's art and other things that are beautiful. You know, and and that inspires me. When we were on the phone, you mentioned Beethoven, the Seventh Symphony, the Allegretto. Yeah. We both love it. Yes. When, when I listen to that, it's like yeah, <laughs> uplifting you. It's, it's like, so powerful. Yeah, and and there's something about just just relishing and, and living with with other people's art. And and you know what? It it could be also. And this is more in the last couple of years. Sometimes if I go to a really good restaurant, mm-hmm. that just like just being in a restaurant and seeing a chef and and trying new foods and things like that, it was like. Wow, this is really great. It's, it just becomes something. So yeah. it can be all different types of art. Right. But the other thing I think, and one of my secret weapons that keeps a smile on my face every single day, 
is I was blessed to have a special needs child. Mm. And when you have a special needs child, your life changes real fast because mm. it's no longer about you. Mm. It's about your special needs child. And if you have other kids, it's about how the other kids relate to the special needs child. Mm. And let me tell you something about being a special needs parent. Special needs parents, um, I see other special needs parents and they're amazing people, mm. right? It takes a certain type of, of individual that will be in the middle of a restaurant in Disneyland and then you're sun melts down and everybody is looking at this poor lady whose son Mm. is melting down and it's an autistic fit that's happening Mm. and she is literally put in the middle of all these people that are what they're judging her they're saying things why can't you do this like so you have to be a certain there's a certain amount of toughness that you have to get right away when you have a special needs kid it just everything for me just doesn't hold the same weight, you know, and that's that's always helped me keep a smile on my right. face. That even though you know I feel blue and you do all this other stuff and you want to I want to romanticize this, it's like no, it's just as simple as the fact that I've got a great kid, Andrew, and right. I see him progress every single day. You know, when we when he was younger, we're like, man, will he ever? You know, will he ever have a? Literally, it was like, will he ever have a girlfriend? Well, he gets older and he has a girlfriend. Um, Will he ever play football? Uh, yeah, he'll play football. He'll play soccer. He'll play baseball. He plays all these sports. Okay, well, will he ever be able to communicate with people? His speech skills has gotten better and better, and he can talk. And you don't even you know. Sometimes you're like, is there, you know, you know, there's something's different. You know, it's like they constantly, you know, he he never ceases to amaze me as to what he's doing. And, and that just keeps me, that's like my, he's my, my life little special weapon. You know, I, I look at Andrew and he brightens my soul and he just, he really helps me, you know, keep it all in perspective. Right now, all this to say, you know, everybody's listening to all this stuff. You know, I know you guys are out there. There's people out there that are dealing with depression and we're not in any way, any type of doctors or psychologists, but we just wanted to give you a little bit of our own, personal story and but you know mainly is is find your tribe find some friends that's you know that's a really key thing yeah the podcast has been great for us we've been together you know 10 12 5 you know 8 years you know there's you know and it's it's really important to to have people that you can go through some of these things together where you feel open enough to talk about this kind of stuff because it's it's kind of it's kind of heavy because this is what it's important. This is the this is what's important is the is is what's happening right now. You know, we all do some really cool stuff and we all work on some really great things. But ultimately, what good is it if you just can't have if a smile can't enjoy on your face life. and you yeah. can't and can't enjoy life? And right. I'm so glad Bobby shared his story because yep. that yes. that is is a great story because if you're out there, man, go to a doctor. You know, there's there's ways, there's things that 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 can can help you, you know, right. There's medicine that can help you. And I'm glad you shared your story, you know, and same with you, Diego. Thanks. And, and I just think the last thing I'm going to say is, you know, just be aware of how social media is as it's not all bad, but it has a tremendous tendency to, to be really destructive. Don't, don't let it, you got to control your social media, right? Right. Just know two things. Everybody in those pictures are not as happy as they seem, (laughs) you know, they're not. Okay. So just take that off and nobody's doing 
all these amazing things all the time. It's just not And happening. if they are, that's how they live. They're essentially <laughs> living from one stage to picture to another. Would you like to live like that? I wouldn't. You know, I see, you know, you see a lot of these people that are, are going to chase their dreams, right? Oh, we're going to chase their dreams and it puts pressure on you to want to go chase your dreams. But let me just tell you this. There's a price to be paid of chasing your dreams, whether it's you don't start a family when you're younger and by mm-hmm. the time you're done chasing your dreams, you're, you're alone, or maybe you're just out there traveling the world and you don't find the right person or, you know, there's, you know, or financially, you know, you go chase your dreams and then you come back and you're like, like, all right, now I got to pay for some of this stuff. So, yeah. you know, just keep it all in perspective, you know. And in his artists, um, man, it's you know we we can use our art and we can create beautiful things and we can help a lot of people out. And thank God for the artists that do. Thank God for beautiful songs. For, yeah, for great things that touch you and, and things like that. Yes. Anyway, I mean, artists are lucky that they have a way to express the emotion. Lots yeah. of people show. Absolutely it's true. Yeah, and if you're listening to this podcast, you know you. You're an artist, and one way or the other, there's a reason why you're listening to us. And and you're absolutely right, man. Be thankful. Well, if you're still listening after this, you're you're a diehard friend. <laughs> <laughs> they better be listening. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, man. This is guys. This is a great show. This is a great show for me just to listen to this because it really, man. Life is tough right now. There's without a doubt. There's it's never been as hard in society with, with I, I, without I have doubt. these younger friends and I tell them and I don't tell them I tell them you guys are already starting from the worst set of circumstances. And I don't mean to make them feel depressed. I mean to say what you're doing is already great because in normal circumstances you would do, you would be doing better. But right. that's not where we are. It's difficult. But I, I will say By this, default, though. You know. I, I, I don't want all the young people, especially if you're in school and you listen to the podcast, and I know we have a lot of um, recording school people that listen. Look, I have to say that as tough as it is, there's some really great young people out there that just like anything else, you adapt and you, you yes. learn how to survive and you and – you, you, the equilibrium. I'll give you a great example. Like my daughter who is um, 15, mm-hmm. okay? prime teenage like danger zone right Mm. she is such a smart kid she knows how to filter her social media she knows how to kind of keep it in check she knows you know she's some of the things are like oh yeah well that person always does this because they're like really braggy and i don't even like to do that Mm -hmm. i mean just really you know mature concepts and it's it's not unique to her she's not a special kid there's a lot of kids that are like that that know how to you know they grew up with all the stuff i want to take that back because if she listens to puck she's i'm not a special (laughs) (laughs) my dad said i'm not (laughs) she would never listen to this podcast (laughs) maybe you want to market Edit. <laughs> but, I, but but all I'm saying is like you know there's every generation is going to find a way to adapt and there's yeah. going to be that you know it's 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 all going to reach an equilibrium right you know but hopefully we said a few things that can help people out there and and hopefully if you are feeling despair you can you can go to your tribe you can go to your friends you can figure it out hey you know what send me an email you know we're here like if you come to LA Michael right you come to LA you send me an email next thing you know we're working on a project together you know. And um, by the way, 
another really great show for you. <laughs> yeah, Michael, would you please yeah, shut up already? Right. <laughs> can't get a word in edgewise with this guy. In case you haven't noticed, the podcast works like that. When you want to say something, you say something. Okay. Uh, oh. Yeah. No. The, next time. Uh, there isn't a gentle passing of the, no, I will, of the microphone. Me, I have a microphone already. I'm going to tell you this fun story, and I don't mean to embarrass you, but – but I, after the last podcast, I was saying, Michael, how, you know, how come you didn't say anything? And he was like, uh, I was like in awe. <laughs> <laughs> and today we have the easiest topic on earth. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Last you came, week it was you really came Smith at the, great, at the best time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, oh wow, what a show. That was great. That was yeah. really good. Thank you, guys. Um, yeah, no, it was great. And, and uh, yeah, just remember. So you can always send me an email. Hey, if you want to reach out to us, you can always reach us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. That's audio at nowcastnetwork.com. And let's talk about something exciting and different. Rob, what are you working on? What, what interesting thing that you can talk about? Well, I am, uh, depending on when this posts, I am getting ready to or have just uh, Saturday. Oh, really? Yeah, it'll, it'll post quick. Okay. Then I'm about to uh, do a bunch of piano performance recording. Okay, Sunday. How about that? No, still. It's okay. going to be over the next few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm excited about that. I am a bit rusty because I have not been playing for the last uh, few weeks because I've been busy with other things. But uh, I'm going to enter the practice zone for a few days and work out the rest of these arrangements that I've been working on and then do some recording. And I'll be able to talk about the stuff. Uh, hopefully, it'll be available within the next few months. Uh, it's a combination of some piano music. There's some orchestral stuff that's being recorded also. It's a really cool project. And uh, it's, you know, being back to just plain old piano performance, I really love it. Yeah. You don't uh, have to worry about any plugins. You have basically 88 plugins. <laughs> you got, pl- you got plugins. Anything, anything bad to say about plugins? <laughs> you got 88 plugins. Each one's a different note, and that's all you got to worry about. Yeah. Wait, how many levels of velocity? Exactly. Infinite. <laughs> Infinite. Uh, it's okay, really fun. But is the damping pedal sample? Three modeled? pedals. <laughs> no, it's modeled. No, it's, it's a lot of fun. How about you, buddy? What are you working on? Uh, well, right before coming over here, um, I posted uh, episode 57 of... Um, un- wow. of under the big tree and it was a big one it took a long time it was all about sequencers so anyone who's into modular synthesis and stuff I just just finished half an hour on sequencers and details wow. about mixing voltage and how to be able Dude, to use or gates with hats drums off to you, and things brother. like that so I did that and I'm also uh, continuing to experiment with everything that I used to do in Pro Tools I'm doing in Reaper, right? It's like, okay, now I'm going to do a really big oh, mix. Let's see if I can do the mix in Reaper. And the answer is absolutely yes. Is that oh. on your – Is that on your? Uh, are you videoing that also? Or you I, just I will be. Your... I'll get into it you in should. a little bit. I right would now, watch your tutorials oh, on that. It's just so great. There is nothing that I have found that that program can't do. And it's a wonderful intellectual challenge I think to you, learn it all the time. It's I, wonderful. You know what? i got to watch your channel because I, I think – I remember when I went over to your studio and you were showing me how you had it all set up and the way you were guiding me through the whole the whole routing. You're a really good teacher. Just want to let you know. Thank you. So, what was that again? What's your channel? Under the Big Tree. You can go to youtube.com slash under the big tree or just search for under the big tree. All right. Okay. We got we to gotta swap links yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. Michael, how about you? What are you working on? 
Well, there's this project that we're working on that we can't really talk about, I guess. Oh, we can. <laughs> He's doing the music for uh, Spaces episode number two. He's oh, doing some of the keys. Right cool. Well, because you know, he wants to compose. And how am I as a client? Oh, fantastic! Actually, <laughs> wow, <laughs> very patient. Uh, That's such wonderful. an honest and unbiased opinion. <laughs> Wow. Really, really genuine. Comparatively, actually. <laughs> really speak your mind, man. Yeah. <laughs> you need to talk more often. <laughs> Great. Uh, Diego, how about you? Um, I will tell you more specifically in the next spot if I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have to be here. It's like, but, a, uh, it's like a red card. You have I've to go been, to this one I've and been the next one. Doing a lot of uh a lot of creating new stuff, music, instruments. In fact <laughs> I, I'm running out of space at my house. I, I have literally instruments in the bedroom, both bedrooms, everywhere. And I am trying to figure out a way to hang them vertically. I know, I know, I know, I know. A simple way: get rid of the six-foot guitar. No, (laughs) I can't. I might buy another one. I like it so much. That's funny. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, we'll wait until you talk about it. Yes. Yes. Bobby, how about you? Besides Gear Fest, Uh, finishing up another book. Well, on what? It's a compilation of. From my podcast, I always ask the same question at the end, and it's, uh, what's the best piece of business advice that you ever received? Wow. So, and many of you are, are in it, actually. So it's a compilation of all those quotes. Wow. Yeah. That's great. It's actually been a difficult book to put together. Hmm. Much more than, than because of you, was. Mike. Because whatever advice you gave him, no, I, but I was the first one cut. <laughs> oh, come on! <laughs> well, you're in there. Actually, you, you were the last one. Oh, and, wow! Yeah, that closes wow. the book. It's important. No, no. It's like beginning and ending. No, he had like 200. Now was number 200. It's not like <laughs> actually Scott was number one, and you're. You're number 150. Wow. I will say, when you sent me uh, the quote from me that you were going to use, I didn't remember having said it, but as I read it, I remember thinking, okay, that sounds a lot like me. That sounds like something I would have said. (laughs) As time went on, it's like, yeah, I think I do remember saying that. So how many many different ones do you have? 150 I capped it at. There was actually plenty more. Where am I? I? Do you already know? Oh, I, I can't remember. Just put me before Mike. You're 151, <laughs> Diego. Sorry. Okay. Oh, one on. and 150. Yeah. yeah, there's plenty of room in the middle there Don't for come you. Come on. So, Mike, it's your birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. Oh, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Uh, thank you. I wasn't going to mention that. <laughs> what did you do for your birthday? Oh, got around and talked, you know, depression. And hey, two and a half hours. <laughs> but, oh, thank you. Yes. It's actually, this has been a, it's, it's been a great, it's been a great birthday. This is a really, you know, there's nothing I would rather do than than this because this gives me so much joy. It really does. The, like I said, the podcast started from a moment when I was down, just getting the idea, and then with Rob, you know, and, and our, our conversations, and it's always been a really positive thing. Yeah. And now moving on to spaces, the video element, which is the hardest thing I've ever done. It's and not even the shooting part. It's all the the editing and everything. It's like holy smokes, but it's fun and. You meet interesting people, and Michael's doing a great job, and it's just it's you know the collaboration. That's there's nothing 
better than when you're like collaborating and when you're trying to you're gelling and you see things happen and things like that. So, um, so I'm working on that. Um, and, uh, the podcast, I just want to tell you, man, the podcast and spaces, it's all kind of growing. And we had like a, usually we'll hit our big days when we, when we hit on iTunes and, um, and then we hit iTunes and, you know, we get, I forgot like 2200 or something like that downloads. But we had a post that went up and we got 1,800 downloads on a day that wasn't a release day, which oh, was wow. pretty freaking cool. Hmm. So there's, you know, there's, I'm really happy with I mean, that, that little person podcast. that is downloading 1,800 times. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I go, Mom, stop <laughs> it. Stop <laughs> it. It's really messing with no. our statistics here. Well, the, the Dave Smith interview is oh. really good. I got, oh, yeah. I got really good feedback from that because he was so good. And um, and he's Dave Smith, let us know. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, he, but also the way he talked about the Prophet X and because <sighs> the Prophet X is – you know, you read these reviews, and that's why I'm actually going to shoot a video for Spaces. It's going to be one of the, the tiny Spaces things. Um, but you read these reviews and, and, and the negative ones, and they just don't get it. They just don't get what, what the Prophet X is. It's not a Rompler. It's not a Kronos. It's not a glorified D50. It's not any of that kind of stuff. It's truly – it's a unique instrument. And, and um, so I'm going to demo what makes it – you know, well, I'm going to demo only one feature, and that one feature is going to be like, okay, you'll get it. Because that's what everybody else got as soon as they saw that. Anyway, well, hey, guys. Thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for, for this podcast. And, Diego, thank you for bringing uh, – uh, Thank you, guys. Thank you for bringing the uh, pastries there. Well, it's your birthday, I man. I know. I appreciate it's that. It's your birthday. I, I, I want to thank you on the air. <laughs> but um, – but also thank you everybody for telling your stories. And like I said, if you're out there and you just, you know, drop us an email, you know, there's, there's people or, or, you know, hook up with other people, other musicians, you know, the great thing about musicians, right. Is there's some of the coolest people to hang out with, right. And no matter where you're at, and if you this go, is not a biased opinion, obviously, because we are. <laughs> no, but it's, but it's true. Like I'm so impressed but with of course us. I'm saying I it's true. hanging we out are. with us. No, no, but I like hanging out with, like, if you go, like if I go to a bar, yep, and then you're in the bar and there's a bar band there, yeah, and then afterwards they're done and then they are sitting around. A lot right. of times you start striking up a conversation. They're the coolest people, right? I, I'm going to give you a my really, musicians are bad. Okay, last story before we end. <laughs> so we're in uh, uh, Amsterdam, yeah, and it's about 11:30. We have dinner, um, and it's one of the last nights there, and we go to. Um, there's this bar where they're, uh, the guy who was um, Heineken, huh. um, the guy who started Heineken, it was his bar. Huh. And they had this piano player there. And while we're eating dinner, we keep in here in this piano player. And he was really good. So we finished dinner. We're going to go and listen to the piano player. We go there. Hey, where's the piano player? And, oh, he's, he's done for the evening. And so like... All right. So we, we turn around, we walk out, and we're walking through the lobby. And all of a sudden, this bartender comes over and says, well, wait, 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 wait. Hold on one second. He calls the piano player who hadn't left yet. The piano player comes over, takes us to the piano that's in the hotel lobby, and plays for us for like 20 minutes. Wow. Like our own little concert. That's and it nice. was, and he was so good. Yeah. And I wish I knew his name. I wish I remembered his name because he was, he was, he was a composer and we started mm. talking and then I talked a little bit about the podcast. So maybe if he's listening, <laughs> you can drop me an email, but you know, and that's, 
That's a musician. That's why right. I said I, musicians are some of the coolest you, people <laughs> to hang out with. All right. Well, hey, that's it. From myself and all the guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching Spaces. Episode number two is going to be posting this week. So hopefully by the time this posts, it'll be up. All right. From myself and all the guys, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Stay happy, Joanne. Thanks for listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Wireworld Pro Audio. The Audio Nowcast is hosted by Mike Rodriguez and features a panel with Rob Arbutier, Bobby Osinski, Scott Gershon, Nick Peck, Diego Stucco, Brandon Birdside, Martin Page, Bobby Summerfield, and maybe a guest or two. We'll see you next time.